How are you? Good. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network, where right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you get bonus bets every time they win a regular season game. And AG1, a foundational foundational nutrition supplement that delivers comprehensive nutrients to support whole body health in one delicious daily drink. Uh, so just to catch people up, um, sorry for sort of a little hiatus there on the regular pod. I planned to do one with Nick um, as soon as I got back from Green Bay. Unfortunately, I had a two-day travel experience back from... <laughs> Green Bay, where the lesson, which I already knew, but I bent my rule, which is never, ever fly through O'Hare, ever. And I'm never going to do it again. I don't care if I got to pay out the wazoo to avoid (laughs) going through O'Hare, but um, I learned my lesson finally this time. It took me 20 hours to get back from Green Bay. I stopped in four different states on the way back and basically um i wanted to murder everyone uh, <laughs> <involved>. uh, <laughs> totally uh, totally understandable see i'm with you o'hare but i also stay away from atlanta that thing is the, yeah. that, that, this is like massive in like if you have anything where you're like oh i got 25 minutes to get from one place to the other you have no idea if they put you in one terminal and you got to get all the way to another one forget about it you're, you got no chat no shot no question i i used to have to go through uh atlanta all the time when I lived in uh, Palm Beach County and covered the Dolphins, and um, that was hell. But, you know, I knew this from living in Green Bay because, you know, you're limited in the, in the amount of options um, traveling from Green Bay. And it used to be awesome back in the day. It used to be like Northwest Airlines and Midwest Express, which is the greatest airline ever. And so I would always go through Detroit or Minneapolis, and I would avoid O'Hare. But then I decided this time because I really wanted to fly into Green Bay. I didn't want to do the Milwaukee Drive again. And I got burned. I got burned big time because I'm a moron. And that's a lesson we learn often here. Um, but anyways, uh, and Nick is sick this week. So Nick should be back uh, at some point next week. And plus, no more preseason games, no more practices. Uh, just like the Patriots, we start to get into a regular season schedule and um, – Trust me, we'll have plenty of content for you at BSJ where uh, Mike's killing it and giving me a big assist over there um, doing his thing. And, and we'll be doing a lot more analyzing on the site uh, going forward. So where we're going to start today is, you know, a little bit of a camp uh, recap real quick in the form of three up, three down. Uh, I think we've talked about players, you know, largely <clears throat> enough. Um, and so sort of where I'm going to start with my three up from camp, sort of looking back, uh, probably my overriding thing that I took away that I was probably the most impressive thing to me was the rookie class. Um, you know, I thought the rookie class from basically top to bottom did a really nice job in this camp. You know, Christian Gonzalez looks like certainly has the skills. Um, you know, will he have the X factor, the dog factor in him that makes him an elite guy, a number one corner, we'll see. But loved what I saw with him all summer. Loved what I saw of him in the preseason game largely. Keon White is going to be a factor. Marte Mapu is going to be a factor. Jake Andrews, not the greatest of camps, but it looks like he's now entrenched as the backup center and the heir apparent to David Andrews. Now, I need to see a lot more from Jake Andrews. Um, I didn't I was not overly impressed. Um, certainly guys like Joe, uh, I think Joe Tooney was drafted in about the fourth round. Certainly, you know, Joe Tooney was much more impressive earlier. Michael Wenu as a six-round pick was much more impressive earlier than Andrews. Um, Chad Rylan, the kicker, you know, um, you know, certainly has the leg. Uh, you know, impressive at times, not impressive at other times, like the other day in practice. City So. Look, can he play in the league? Yeah. Am, am I sure he's going to be a tackle? No. Um, he could definitely be a guard going forward. Mafi, I think, is the best of the the offensive linemen at this point. He looks like sort of an Awenu clone, and uh, he may need to start in one of the two guard spots, and I don't think that's horrible. I mean, do I think he's a year away from being a good player? Yeah. Um, Booty, 
has come on in the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, even he's starting to win me over a little bit in a limited amount. Um, Berenger, uh, kicks the hell out of the ball from 20 to 20. Not a very good directional punter. Um, will that factor into the 53 man roster or the opening day roster? It could Demario Douglas, you know, pro you, you might say he's the best pound for pound position for position player in this draft class right now, in terms of how quickly he hit, how he didn't have any bad days, a mere speed, as Bill said this week, he's a develop developmental player. Um, I was, I was ouchy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he seems destined for the practice squad. Um, but certainly some nice traits. And Isaiah Bolden, before he got hurt, and he didn't play well in the preseason game. But largely, he's shown well. So, overall, <clears throat> this rookie class uh, has been very impressive. So, that's my number one takeaway from training camp. What say you, Mike? I had the rookie class on my three-up, three-down list um, on the upside. But I I'll talk about the the overall offensive operation. And, again, we haven't seen a lot in the preseason. There was a limited number of snaps for the ones in Green Bay. But one of the things, Greg, that I I really am coming to appreciate, especially after watching last year, is this team's willingness and ability to scheme up and give Mac Jones options, options against pressure. If you go back last year and you look at his numbers against the pressure, they were the worst of any quarterback in the National Football League, and they were kind of the worst by a long shot. Like, we're talking worse than Zach Wilson versus blitz versus pressure and if you look at sort of i call it the spray chart but the throw chart if you will on what he was doing on those third downs so many times it was just heaving the ball up down the field it was 50 50 balls I, I mean that's not how you beat pressure consistently that's not how you do what you want to do as an offense sustain drives convert some of those third down situations what i have seen to this point in camp is they're giving bill o'brien has given mac jones the easy button on some plays against pressure checkdowns, little underneath stuff with wide receivers and tight ends. And I think it's just going to make all the difference in the world for someone like Mac and for this offense, because I think they will be able to convert some of those plays. And I think it puts, not that there's less pressure on Mac, but in those situations, like, do I really want to throw it up to Devontae Parker for the fourth time today uh, on a 50-50 ball when he's 0 for 3 in the previous three? Or do I want to just take the check down and hope that Juju, Ramondre, Zeke, Hunter can get me the extra five yards after the catch. And I think they didn't have that in their offense last year. So to me, that mere thing, it's a little thing that shouldn't have been, gone away last year is here this year. And it's one of the reasons why like the, the, I don't know that the offense is going to ever be awesome with the talent that they have, but again, it, it could put them in the respectable category and that should make a difference this year. So my number two is related to that. And, and I had Mac getting his groove back. Now, I wouldn't say his groove's fully back mm -hmm. um, to where maybe he was at the conclusion of his rookie season, or at least coming off his rookie season, but it's getting there. And you could tell over the past week to 10 days, like he's just feeling more and more confident in what's going on and that he, that he has ownership over this team. Like I saw him and Bill having a conversation yesterday after some reps, and that was, you know, more of a QB one head coach, conversation sort of fine-tuning things and uh, that bill feels comfortable enough to have that conversation with mac whereas you know in the offseason i don't think he would have i think he would have stayed away um but i i do agree with your point i think that you know what people don't didn't really understand and um you know not to talk down to those people um tony mass jim murray um <laughs> <laughs> and be uh, the football so snob that they portray me to be. But, you know, one of the things I tried to get across to them last year is like, you know, they're like, well, Mac's not good under pressure and Mac's not doing this right. And Mac's that's because Mac didn't have any confidence in anything. He didn't have confidence that his protection was going to be there. He didn't have protection, uh, confidence that the play call was going to work. He didn't have confidence that they had answers to what the defense was going to be presenting them. He didn't have answers to where, like, confidence where anybody was going to be because they couldn't run the right routes and other things. And, and like, it goes to what you're saying, that I think that now getting back to the Patriots scheme at its core, he now has confidence that, like, 
things are going to be right or we have the answers to what they're going to present or I have ready answers. And like when you do that as a quarterback, you play with confidence, you play quicker, you play more decisive. Like how many times did I hear last year saying like, Mac's not decisive enough, Mac's not. That didn't have to do with Mac. That had to do with what was going on around him. And I tried to tell people this time and time again. And I think now the Mac that we've seen this summer uh, sort of reinforces that. Uh, number two for you, Mike? I would talk about just the overall, um, the pass rush. And look, obviously when we're in camp and the Patriots have issues with our offensive line, there's a good chance that the Judons and Uches of the world are going to be eating in the preseason game that you wrote about in uh, about how there was not a lot of pressure talking to some people around the building this week, that was sort of by design against green Bay. They were working on, as you had hinted about maybe are they much yeah. rushing this thing? Are they getting ready for, for Jalen hurts and how that's going to be in week one. And that's sort of the sense I got from talking to people. But one of the things that I think I've been heartened by is sort of the interchangeable pieces, what white brings to the table. I think you and I probably both thought when white got drafted, that this was going to be a redshirt year and he was going to sit behind Dietrich and kind of learn. And maybe this was just the, the plan for to replace wise a year from now. And then you see him and you're like, no, he's got some skill that's going to force himself to get on the football field. A couple sacks yesterday in practice as well. But I just think that they have a combination up front with different players and the ability to come at you from different ways that kind of reminds me of, let's say, 2003 2004 now we're not there, there were some hall of fame players on the roster in terms of pass rush Richard Seymour of course being primary but you also used like someone like Rodney Harrison was able to get after the quarterback but I think there are plans here to attack the quarterback and I think they have the personnel to do it and this could be one of the the better pass rushes they put together in like I said about 15 16 years yeah um, definitely a valid point by you and I think you know when you talk about Keon White I think the thing that that my eyes have been open to is, you know, like, like you said, you know, when they drafted him, I'm like, when the hell is he going to play? And I, and I do largely think outside of injury, I do think that's an issue. Now, you know, he's going to be out there sub pass rusher, you know, that's for sure. I do still think it's going to be wise and, and other guys out there for um, a lot of the downs, but he's going to, He's going to get sub rusher roles, and I really like the idea of like Uche, Judon, Barmore, and Keon White up front. Like, yep. I really, really like that. Um, explosive. Yeah, and uh, so my number three is Bill Belichick, and but a little bit of a narrow focus because do I still have a lot of issues with the way he's uh, coaching this team, running this team right now in terms of the camp and canceling the joint practices and. You know, things like that. Yeah, I still and and especially his roster management. Yeah, I have a lot of issues with that. But this is just and, and it struck me watching, I think, yesterday where it hit home. But, you know, just him getting back to he took on too much in previous years, especially last year. Um, and it was just to the detriment of the team, you know, with Bill O'Brien doing his thing on offense, Joe Judge make no mistake, is the special teams coordinator on this team, not Cam Accord. And Joe Judge doing his thing. And, um, you know, I think, say whatever you want about Joe, um, but, you know, he definitely goes all out in terms of special teams. And do I think they're going to be better there? Yeah. And I think the uh, autonomy he gives Steve Belichick and Gerard Mayo on defense, like I think – Bill's back to to having a chance to be his best self for this team where he is he's just sort of like doing Belichick shit which is like you know throwing them in different situations during practice and and you know making it harder on them and giving them adversity and where you know and, and I do think I see a little bit more of a spring in his step this year especially compared to last year and, and you can understand that because he was he was asking way too much of himself at 70 years old. He needs to be doing less. He needs to be, you know, basically like sprinkling himself in for the betterment of this football team. And I think he's done a good job of that in this camp. Now, does that mean they're going to be better this year? That their record's going to be better? That they're going to start the season faster? No, but I do think that um, at least they have a chance with the best version of Belichick going forward. Number three for you, Mike. I was, I mentioned the rookies. I, I think the rookie class has certainly opened eyes. You know, we heard all off season 
you know, anytime you put a microphone in front of Robert Kraft, he, he went out of his way to we really like our rookie class. And he said, well, okay, whatever. We'll see what it looks like on the field. But clearly there are, are several guys that have carved out um, what should be impact roles early on. And I, I, there's two players that you mentioned as you went down the class, Mapu, who obviously just got back in the pads this week, uh, you know, in the last week or so, and we still haven't seen him impact a game. But, man, he, just like he was with the red jersey, when I was wondering, well, is he showing up because he's in the red jersey and he's going a little bit faster than everyone else is because he doesn't have to worry about contact or they're going at 80% in this drill and he's a rookie and he's flying around doing, you know, 100 well, now that he's put on the, the the contact jersey that he can go out there and do it, he's still in the middle of everything. So I, I just – there's a lot of hype on a player that we haven't actually seen play a game, but I'm I'm curious to see how they use him and the type of impact he's going to have because I think it can be a very good one for this team. And then Douglas, who, as you mentioned, I've written about a couple times. You've written about – he hasn't had a bad day. I know he's got a little injury he's dealing with here. But to me – what's been missing from this offense or one of the things that's been missing from this offense for the last five years is that quick slot guy that can get open in a phone booth. And Jacoby Myers was great at getting open, but obviously different body type and he did it a different way. I love having that option in the offense. It's his, his performance as camp's gone on has made me sort of reconfigure what I thought. Cause I keep thinking, well, they'll be conservative with them. They'll be conservative with them. And as camp has gone on, I'm like, well, maybe, maybe I'm going to be less in that, in that camp because he just has an ability to get open and make plays. The injury could be the thing that, that sort of slows him down a little bit here, depending on how long this lasts. And it's obviously a concern because he's 5'8", 180 pounds. Um, can he, can he withstand sort of the physical contact that he's going to have to face as a slot guy? And we know what they do to your slot guys in New England and everywhere else. I mean, you get Wes Welker, Julian Edelman, those guys got the crap kicked out of them. Um, so he's going to have to be durable, but he's just opened a lot of eyes. Like that's, uh, you know, the six rounds kind of a throwaway pick. So I know people are getting all excited. They finally found wide receivers. Well, I don't really care whether they did it by that. That's a guy they targeted. He's made an impact. And I think that's important because I think they need that in the offense. Yeah. And, um, you know, one thing I wanted to clarify on Douglas while we're here, because I'm sure talk radio will um, slant it their way. So on Felger and Mouse the other day, I mentioned like I compared Demario Douglas to Tyreek Hill. Now yeah, I gotta send you, not, I gotta send you hey, I gotta send you the bill because I drove off the road and hit a tree. I gotta send you the insurance bill for that. <laughs> Let me explain. So yeah, first of all, coming out of West Alabama, Tyreek Hill was 5'8", 185. Mm -hmm. What's Demario Douglas? 5'8", 185, 190, something like that. Anyways, so it wasn't like I'm not making a comparison because Tyreek Hill, obviously with his four two nine speed and uh, leaping ability and everything else, like he's just he's a freak. Now I'm talking about you know it, Demario Douglas can be the the poor man's Patriots version of Tyreek Hill in just terms of how they utilize him, like you know uh, you know on end arounds and you know in in different option routes and you know the. I just see him like he's their version. Is it anywhere near as good as Tyreek Hill? No, but he brings a different element um, to their team. We will get to the three down list, the good stuff, as Michael Felder would say, uh, after we hear from our friends from FanDuel. Uh, football season is about to kick off, and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long because right now when you bet a, a bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl and you'll get bonus bets for every victory. You can use bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That's FanDuel.com Boston. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hope is here. GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. 21 and present in select states. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Max bonus bet $50 unless uh, uh, specified otherwise. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Okay, Mike. So uh, let's go with our down list. Um, for me, um, number one is... 
that the offensive line had no camp. Now, I'm not saying that the offensive line is terrible. I still believe that at the end of the day, do they have a chance, a decent chance to be the best offensive line in this division? Yes. Um, but, like, you can't – they have the pieces. They have four out of the five pieces at least. But not practicing together all summer until, like, the last two weeks before the preseason game, that's no way to prepare for a season. That's no way to to have a good offensive line early on in the season. I'm not saying they can't do it. Uh, if Dante Scarnecchia was here, I would have a lot more confidence that he would – get after their asses and have them ready for week one and, and what's going to be an unbelievable challenge in terms of that Eagle front with all that they have up there, including their, you know, rookies and they got the other Jordan Davis is back for a second year. I mean, you got Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis, um, uh, Fletcher is still there. Not the same guy. Who's the guy, uh, Nolan Smith that they got in the draft who has been like unbelievable this year. Like, Good luck going yeah. against that team. They they get the Eagles, they get Vic Fangio, they get they have the Jets there, and I think in the yep. first four weeks with all they have, Quinn and Williams and all those guys, and and um, the other guy I really like, uh, shit, I forget his name, but anyways, the hyphenated guy's name, and then oh, you know Myers. Mike, yeah, I love Jonathan Franklin Myers, yeah. and then like Micah Hyde and what Dan Quinn's gonna have cooked up the next week. I mean, like. Holy cow. I mean, that just not having the right guys on the field in the right places. And I, I don't know how good of a coach Adrian Clem is. Um, I'm, I'm willing him to give, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. I will say what I've seen on film so far, I'm not encouraged because I think their pad level is shit and, uh, their, their execution in, in, in terms of duo blocks and things like that has not been good. Um, so that's, to me, that's coaching. Um, but that's where I start. I mean, that the offensive line just has, has had no camp. It's no way to go into a season. That's my biggest down on training camp. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of the three that I had. I was going to start off with just the, the overall farce that was training camp. It's just, and I, I, I guess we're the old bastards here, Greg, you know, we walked to school uphill in the snow, barefoot both ways. Um, but my God, the lack of competition, the lack of um, aggressive reps over the course of camp is, is still jarring to me. And it gets, I think, year by year by year, it's getting even like lighter, easier. And I wonder, we were having a conversation on the sidelines, several of the writers and I yesterday um, in a down moment of practice. And we we're talking about the idea, you know, that so much has gone into sports science, right? And, and, the Patriots have embraced it fully and it's lesser workload. And like, we're trying to manage the reps that these have on these guys. And there's no question that, I mean, they have the science behind it. So they feel good about the, the things, but I think sometimes you really find out something about the player or the team or the unit, whatever, when you really push them and they're grinding and they're sore and they're tired. And it's this, mm -hmm. you know, back in the day, it's the double sessions and it's the second day of double sessions and your body just doesn't want to move. But hey, we got this drill. It's we're going nose to nose with the offense and goal line, and you got to just bring it. And you don't, you just don't get that. And you know, the, the joint practices, like I think both of you and I were really disappointed that the the joint practices with the Titans were canceled. And and as Bill said, the the Isaiah Bolden injury was a factor, but it wasn't. I don't think it was the the full reason why. And I think that's a that's a missed opportunity to get better and to get those competitive reps flowing. And maybe he thought he saw enough in Green Bay. Maybe he got confidence from Green Bay and said, we don't need to do this again with Tennessee and maybe risk some injuries or, or something like that. But I just the, – the, the I know it's a different kind of athlete now, and like I said, the science is advanced, but I feel like there are times where they just don't get pushed enough, and then you go into September, week one, and you're really not sure how your team's going to respond. And uh, I think that they're definitely heading into that situation again where I, I, don't, I don't know what it's going to be like for them. I don't know if they're going to be able to handle – some adversity because, you know, short of scripting some stuff or, or ad-libbing some stuff in, in some of the training camp practice where again, there's not full contact. Like you can't really replicate that. So um, yeah, it just, it's, I guess it's the way it's going to be, but I, I don't have to like it. 
Yeah, I mean, Mike, I totally agree. I mean, you know, consider this fact, and like, I'm I'm most disappointed in this training camp in terms of, um, you know, not getting any one on one reps. I mean, it's it's a joke. I mean, they didn't do any, they didn't do any with the Packers, and from what I understand, that was the Packers' decision because they kind of wanted to cut down on fights. Like, how does that make Christian Gonzalez and Jack Jones and Marcus Jones? How does that like you need to go up against Christian Watson? And Romeo yeah. Dobbs and, you know, these guys, like how much better are they getting going up against Devonte Parker and Juju Sanu and, you know, all these guys like that are just middling for the Patriots. Like, so, so they didn't do any one-on-ones with the Packers. They didn't do any one-on-ones this week with their own thing. They canceled the Titans practices. They could have in a normal time, they would have had one-on-one reps against the Packers and the Titans. They got, zero they're going to get none of that stuff going into the season and i don't know how that does it's not making the linemen better it's not making the cornerbacks better it's not making the wide receivers having to get off jams you know go up against a guy like jair alexander with the packers you know the all the titans guys i mean how much better would the offensive line be going up against um you know some of the the titans defensive linemen simmons and landry simmons i mean you know so that's just that's just a missed opportunity and you know how, how much better would they would the offensive line be taking a look at Simmons and Harold Landry going up against what they're going to see with the Eagles and and at least have that reference and have that tape and make corrections so I agree with you number number two for me though um and and I don't like to dr- I, I'm not making a final judgment on this draft class I wait for three years I shut my mouth largely and then then we judge it because guys develop at their own pace but you know, in this training camp, looking at the 2002 draft class just a year ago, where people, you know, probably at this time last year, people were raving about that draft class. You know, now you look at it like, look, I think Cole Strange is going to play in this league for a long time. What his ceiling is, I don't know. Is it, th- Did he deserve to be a first-round pick? Probably not, but he has a chance. We'll see. Tycon Thornton, rough. Marcus Jones, rough camp. Um, you know, obviously a great kick returner but is he going to be able to ever play as a cornerback or be effective I don't know he, he has not taken the leap there Jack Jones really good but kind of the same player to me very boom bust Pierre Strong as we'll hear on the 53 I, I don't know what I don't know what how he has made a claim to a roster spot I really don't Bailey Zappi fine he's a backup you know whatever I mean people were clamoring for Malik Cunningham um, you know, after what they saw from him, Kevin Harris, nothing, uh, Sam Roberts, good player, but you know, you can find those guys anywhere. Chasen Hines, hot and cold. I will say some weeks he's been really good and open up my eyes. Other weeks he's been terrible. And you know, Stuber, his first real camp has not been good. I mean, you look at that draft class overall and it's just like, dude, I don't know how many players they are going to get out of that draft class um at all and you know just a year ago or or six months ago we thought they were going to get a lot out of that draft class so that's uh my number two what about you mike i say free safety greg it's been a position that i've been watching carefully during the course of camp in the preseason games and uh they've thrown a lot of different bodies at it and none of it is taken um i think i said to you miles bryan had a few snaps at free safety in preseason game number one and I think that was the one that left the most uh, uh, the the lasting impression of like, okay, he looks like he could do this. Now I don't know that they want him to do it, but like that's how I kind of look at it. And Jabril Peppers is <sighs> Jabril Peppers has got kind of gotten a little overhyped for me. He's a he goes forward. He does that really well. Do you ask him to go sideways or backwards? That's not his jam. So is he playing free safety? Or is he being one of the split safeties back there? I don't love that idea. Adrian Phillips got exposed a couple times against the Packers when he was playing deep. Um, I think Adrian's probably your smartest of the group in terms of like he could probably handle the mental responsibility, but it's not a position that he's really ever played. He's always been a box safety. At, at his first year with the Patriots, he was a linebacker. Forget about box safety. He was basically playing linebacker for them. And I think he's still a, a useful player, but I just don't know that he's that guy. Jalen Mills, to me, is the one I thought they would sort of force feed it, but he's sort of lined up all over the place as well, and it's been hit or miss. 
I don't think Duggar's that guy. I think Duggar's another guy. He's a, he's a box safety. He's close to the line of scrimmage. So you tell me how you replace – you were never going to be able to replace Devin one for one, I don't think, just based on the, the vast experience and having played that position for as long as he did. But I feel like here we are, uh, August, whatever, August 24th, and they're still throwing darts trying to figure out who it's going to be. They had all of the OTAs. They had mandatory minicamp, and we're now three and a half weeks into camp, four weeks into camp, and they still don't know who it's going to be. Um, I, that's not that's not encouraging to me at, at all. Yeah, I, I had safeties as number three on my list, you know, just in general. Like, you know, in theory, what they're talking about and what I've heard like Devin McCourty talking about their ability to disguise. And we don't, and we see this in practice, like they will be in a certain lineup and then all of a sudden other guys are dropping every other place. Okay. You know, fine. You, you know, you might, you might catch a couple early down plays, but just the safety group in general, you know, I definitely think the free safety is an issue. If I'm another team and I look at the Patriots and they're trying to do all the scheme stuff and you know what I'm going to do? Shotgun spread five wide or, you know, four wide, maybe a running back in the backfield. Like, go ahead, do your designer crap. Like, right. I'm going to throw all over you. Right. And my worry going into this season is, uh, like, if I see if I see um, Kyle Duggar, Adrian Phillips, especially Jabril Peppers, like, if I see any of these guys lined up at deep safety, I'm like, let's go. Like, we're <laughs> throwing all over the place. And, yep. and it's not just the free safety stuff. Like, I don't know. I'll be interested to get your opinion on this, Mike, but I don't think Kyle Duggar's had a very good camp. I mean, does he come up with an interception now and again, just like he does in the games? Yeah, but he gives up a lot of passes to tight ends. There's a lot of stuff that goes on. I remember, you know, the Packers practices, I, I can definitely see it, that they were giving up red zone touchdowns to like, you know, Christian Watson and stuff like that between players. And like Duggar's always part of that. And there were at the end of the play, they're all looking at each other, like with their palms up, like there's a lot of stuff like that going on. And so like, if I'm, if I'm another team, I am between the young cornerbacks and a bunch of safeties that are, that are in different spots that might be not right fits for them. Like I'm opening it up against the Patriots and making them prove that they can shut me down in the past game and come back to everything else. Yeah. That's what about number three rush, for you? Well, that's where the pass rush is going to be, have to be huge, right? To yep. sort of give, maybe give those guys a break. We didn't mention Mapu. Uh, and just quickly, you know, like, does he feel to you like he's going to be more of a third down linebacker than he is going to be, yes. at least at this point in his career, that he's going to be a safety? Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, we're, we're, we left him off. He might be in the mix, but I don't think he's in the mix, at least at this juncture, to be like a full-time player back there, more of a, a coverage guy that you bring in on third downs and have him fulfill that sort of Matt Milano-type role for the Patriots. Um, my third one, so I, I had offensive line as well, Greg. I, it's just – it's it's difficult to – for all the things I talk about, you know, having answers for Mac and things looking better and more cohesive on the offensive unit um, – I mean, some of these practices have been absolute jailbreaks in terms of protection. And, you know, mm -hmm. I, I give them an extra beat on a play just to see if the, the the receiver and the quarterback are on the right same page. And does the ball get out when, when it normally should get out alone again, in these instances, we'd probably be marking it down as a sack, but man, there have been a bunch of practices where it's just like, they can't, they just can't block them. And I think that group is really good on the defensive side of the ball, but do I think they're the 85 bears? No. So um, th there just has to be more cohesion there. You mentioned Skarnacki, and it's been something that gets brought up a lot, or I feel like it's been brought up a lot here in the last two years in particular with Matty P being the offensive line coach last year and now with Adrian. And David Andrews talks about it quite a bit about, again, seeing it through the same set of eyes and how critical that is for the offensive line. That's a phrase that they lean on. And they're, I mean, they're not seeing it that way. And part of that is, you know, there's rookies in there. Part of it has just been the revolving door. I mean, is Riley Reef really your right guard at this point? Like, I just – there's a lot going on there that needs to be answered in the next few weeks. And now that they close down practice, we're not going to be able to sort of judge it for ourselves. And game one is going to be, you know, all right, now you're put to the test. What do you have out there and, and how do they look? Because thus far it hasn't looked great at all. Yeah. Um, 
That is for sure. Uh, okay, let's hear from our friends at AG1. We'll come back and go through my um, latest 53 real quick and see if Mike has any issues with it. Okay, we are back. And by the way, I just realized that I have uh, 54 players on my <laughs> roster. I, um, I, that's because, been my fear of the bill both times, Greg. Yeah, I uh, I need to go through. Math is not my strong point. People um, know this. Like, I just realized that I only had – I said that they had six special teams guys. They actually have seven. Um, so in this version um, – I think I'm getting rid of Isaiah Bolden, I think is what I'm going to do. Uh, maybe I, maybe that's IR for him. Um, yeah, so I need to reconfigure that. But anyway, so um, at quarterback, I have two, uh, Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi, cutting Trace McSorley and putting him on the practice squad. I do not have Malik Cunningham at quarterback. Any issues, Mike? No, you know, I had Cunningham on my last one, and then the more people I talk to, the more I feel like of the younger players, there's a better chance of him being the one who gets on the practice squad and not get yeah. claimed. Uh, yeah, I, the, I would agree. I, I, he hasn't shown anything at wide receiver. No, like and nothing. That's, yeah, and that's the thing. And then you're going to – so are you going to take someone – this is the – we always get to this point, right, where people start to freak out about who's going to be put on waivers, and, oh, you can't put that guy on waivers – well, like 98% of the time, nobody gets claimed off waivers. Why? Because yep. you've been working with these guys since April, at the very least. And in some cases, you've been working with them since the previous April. You know, they were on your practice squad. They're guys you're still developing, or at least, hey, they know your system. To take someone like Malik, claim him, put him on your 53, like, wh where's his value? How is he helping you? He's If he's a quarterback, he's got to learn the whole system. As a receiver, he's still got to learn that aspect of it. And as you said, he hasn't really made an impact as a receiver. So, um, yeah, I, I have, I have, I would tell you this: that unless something dramatic happens on Friday, Malik won't be on my next one. Yeah. Um, so running back is where I I had some big changes. Um, well, not only Ezekiel Elliott's on the roster now, of course. So I have Stevenson. I have Elliott. Then I have J.J. Taylor on the 53, and I have Pierre Strong. Um, truth be told, um, I could take or leave Pierre Strong. Like, I, I haven't seen good speed, haven't seen him flash at all this summer. But because he was the higher draft pick, a fourth-round pick, um, I think that he sticks. I don't think that um, uh, Matt Groh especially wants to jettison any of his first – uh, his draft picks in the first four rounds. So that's why I have strong on there. Um, I am cutting Kevin Harris. He was a six round pick. Haven't seen enough. Do I think he's going to get claimed anywhere? No. If he does, who the hell cares? Go find another running back and put him on the right. practice squad. Ty Montgomery. Like, what are we doing here? Like this is the, if he's on this 53 man roster, this is as dumb as little Jordan Humphrey last year. <laughs> And it's it's up there. He's basically little Jordan Montgomery. Yeah. You got uh, Juju Sanu and little Jordan Montgomery. Um, it's either to me, he's either straight release or injury settlement or what have you. And of course, CJ uh, Marable. Uh, any issues there, Mike? No, t t like t the Taylor one is interesting to me because he he's been around for a while, and so they they definitely. There are things they like about the player, but they never fully trusted the player. But based on what's going on with the quote-unquote third down back and Montgomery, you know, finally returning to the practice field after basically missing the entirety of of camp, um, I can't. I, I have an atom on my roster. I I can't justify it. And I think if you go back, you know, for all the talk about Montgomery in the off season and even on the first day when he was very involved down on goal line and lining him up in different places and throwing the ball, he hasn't been a productive NFL player for like six years. So like, what are we, what are we doing at this point? Like I get that he's a little bit of a different type than what you have. Um, if you're going to consider Taylor because of his hot uh, size, a little bit of a, of a problem for you, but like, man, you, you can't have him on your roster. I kept strong on my roster. Um, my thinking is the same as yours. I haven't seen anything that makes me want to keep him there, but he's a fourth round pick. It's year two. Uh, there is that speed. And you just hope that it, it catches um, Harris. Same thing. Like 
if he ends up on the practice squad, that's fine. You know, he's a little bit of a thumper, but uh, the way they managed the running back group, I think is a, was a mistake. I think I wrote about it last week in our notes column about the idea that third down back is so important to this offense. And they've always had a plan, a backup plan. And maybe they thought strong was going to hit, but then that's a misevaluation because he hasn't hit at all, even before the injury. So, um, you know, they could have, Jared McKinnon was out there, signed a one-year, $1.3 million deal to return to the Chiefs. Um, mm-hmm. You couldn't have paid him $2.5 million and said, hey, I know it's Mahomes, but come here for double the money. You're at the end of your career. You know, he's 30, whatever. Like, I'm guessing he would have taken that, and he would have been a massive upgrade at that position for you. Um, you know, so I, I think that's sort of – I say it's neglectful, but I felt like they didn't do enough there, and I'm, I'm still not sure what – what the answer is, but yeah, I mean, at this point, I, I just, at this point, Taylor's the head of Montgomery. He has to be. Yeah. I mean, you know, like to me, like, and I know Elliot's going to be in the mix, but to me, and I wrote a column about this, like JJ's film the other night was fantastic. Like all, like anything that you're asking a third down back to do, he did in that game. And like, and he brings explosiveness and makes people miss. And like, you know, all right, fine. You want slow as molasses Ezekiel Elliott out there, you know, Bill, just because he's bigger and he's smarter and he, all right, fine. Like then you're, you know, again, you're in the twenties while the other team's in the thirties. Like, I just think they need another option. And, you know, to me, I'm keeping JJ Taylor over Pierre strong. I just am like, do I think anybody's going to pick up Pierre strong? No, but for now, I have them both on the roster. I don't love it. Uh, wide receiver, uh, a little bit of a change here. And, you know, look, I give up on Kayshawn Booty, okay? <laughs> He's on my 53-man. Um, you know, do I think Patriots fans, like, um, you know, falling in love with the with the stat they put on the other day of LSU, from close, uh, fastest LSU receiver to 100 catches, like, you know, better than Justin Jefferson and Odell Beckham and all these guys? Like, He's not that guy. Like, I will say this as a as a disclaimer. Now, I don't know the medicals on him. Um, I know there was an injury issue um, that affected his combine and things like that. Now, are the Patriots doctors saying like, look, year one is going to be rough for him, but if you manage him the right way, he has a chance to get his explosive back, his explosiveness back in year two? I'm not going to discount that. That could happen. But the player that's out there right now, he doesn't have much explosion, like at all, uh, like right now. So if you're expecting some, like him to turn into Justin Jefferson, like what we've seen so far in the practice field and and the game film, that's a joke. He's not that player. Now, d- will I say that he is? He is a lot like Chris Carter. Like all he does is catch touchdown passes, and like he's a he's a good possession receiver. I don't understand, like. You know, why do you have Juju doing that? Like, you know, and I'm just going to keep calling him Juju Sanu because that's what I see when I think it was Joe Murray made the comp when I was on the other day, and I think it's happed. Like, he's just a small – Juju Smith-Schuster is a smaller Muhammad Sanu. There's no no juice in the slot. He's not going to get open. Um, You know, I'm sure he'll break a couple tackles, fall – you know, settle into a zone. Anybody can do that, Um, including Booty. Um, But – so I have Parker, Smith-Schuster, Bourne, Thornton, Douglas, and Booty. And I have Malik Cunningham as a wide receiver getting cut um, back on the practice squad. But um, I, I give up on Booty. I, he's on the team. He has had a really good couple weeks. And But do I think he's going to be a difference maker? No. Um, at, the player that we see right now, is he, is he, is he showing that potential? No. Do I leave the door open? Slightly. But if you're expecting Keyshawn Booty to be like a dominating wide receiver and a difference maker this year for the Patriots, it ain't happening. Booty's not fast. He played faster, I thought, by a long shot in week two of the preseason than he did in week one, where I think his brain was overwhelmed. I want to be in the right place at the right time. But it's still... Yeah, I think you and I were kind of debating. It's still not fast. He, he just played faster, which is good. He's if he's thinking less. That's a, that's a good thing. I thought he did a nice. And again, it was a coverage screw up, but I thought he kind of throttled down a little bit on the slant that he took for a touchdown to kind of create a little bit more of a window. And then you know whatever safety overran it. The middle of the field was wide open. Um, 
I'm with you. I don't think that this is someone we're talking about who's going to like heavily impact the season. But at this point, I didn't have him on my last one, but he was gaining. And now I'm talking to people about Cunningham. I just sort of flipped the roles. I think Booty gets on the roster, Cunningham's off the roster, and you have a better chance of getting Cunningham to the practice squad. Juju has been, I thought Juju the first four or five days of camp. I'm like, all right, yeah, I see it. It's, you know, he's going to catch 75 passes for them. It's just it's how it's going to be. He's going to step into the, to the Jacoby role and they're going to, he's going to win on crossers. And, you know, like you said, it'll break some tackles, but since then, boy, it's, it's been kind of been quiet. And it makes me wonder it's the, it's sort of going back to the reporting I did in the off season on him. The knee is the knee ever going to be a hundred percent. And is this what you're looking at now with the player? And, yeah. you know, who knows? Sometimes they're, they're managing themselves out there. Maybe the team's been managing them a little bit, but like, it, I, I need to see more because, you know, it just hasn't looked great. Parker is what he is. Um, the 50, 50 guy. And I think I forget, I don't know who said it. Someone, someone said it. Obviously I said what I said about the receivers and I've, you know, I've said KB is, has earned me back. He's at least the last two and a half weeks. He looks like a better version of what he was two years ago, stronger, more physical, certainly playing with more confidence, a little more juice there. Um, but someone was making the the remark, Greg, about if you look at him from afar, you're like, well, they have all the right pieces, right? They got the big outside receiver and they got slot and, and, and Thornton is this field stretching guy. And then they said, when you get closer and closer and you start to look at it, you go, that, I think you were comparing it to clothes. They're like, it's like designer clothes, but then you get closer and you're like, oh, that button is loose and that zipper doesn't work. And that's sort of how it feels. They're just, to me, that they, it's a middling, it's a middling group. It's a group that most people around the league that you talk to, and I'm not talking about media, I'm talking about actual football people, I think is the bottom third group in the league. And I, nothing really has you know, unless Douglas gives you that that juice and is out there on a regular basis, I, I don't know that you can really change the the shell of what you are there. Yeah, I mean, I to me, Mike, I think they would be much better off if you had DeAndre Hopkins for Parker, mm-hmm. Kendrick Bourne for Juju Smith-Schuster, and Demario Douglas as the third wide receiver, then Thornton as the four, and then, you know, whatever after that. To me, that's a much better group. Um, and I, I just don't, I just don't just, think they, hey, they should have spent the money. I don't, I don't really, I don't know what Hopkins is going to do in Tennessee. Cause I don't, Tennessee's offensive line is not very good. Tannehill's yeah. in his, you know, seemingly last year. They don't have a lot. Traylon Burks has already been injured. So like they don't have anything next to him currently, but I'm still saying that he would have impacted your offense in a positive manner, at least for the first half of the season. And if people figured out he wasn't, you know, he wasn't the Hopkins of old fine, but you know, Hey, if he gives me something for six or eight games or gets defenses looking at him that way for six or eight games, when you consider your schedule and you consider how tough it's going to be, that's a win. And they just didn't want to spend the money. Yeah. At tight end, I only have two. I know Gusecki's hurt and in a red Jersey, but you know, um, I'm so, I, like, I, I don't know where else to cut. Not that I think this roster is good and there's so many guys you have to protect. I mean, no, but um, I, I just think, you know, Matt Sokol or Ferkser is getting back on either one of them or both of them is getting back on the practice squad. And then if I need for injury to elevate somebody, that's fine, but I'm not wasting a roster spot on Sokol or, or Ferkser. Um, did you go with two or three on your, I have three, I've had Ferkser on there. Um, yep. but it's again, it's, this is when I said, when I did my last one and you know, the last set, we do the last seven. I didn't think it was hard to cut the last seven. So that sort of speaks no. to your point about like, I don't know necessarily that they have 53 players that I'm like, I have to have him on my roster. He's on my roster, but I don't, I, I can live without him. Uh, at offensive line. So at tackle, I have Brown. And so I'm keeping Riley reef. Um, even though I don't want to and Connor McDermott, he hasn't been on the field, mm-hmm. but you know, Reef's gotten a lot of. T- I just don't know without Calvin Anderson. Like I have Calvin Anderson still on NFI. They're gonna have to release somebody at some point once he comes off, if they even want him. Um, I I would guess that's McDermott and hope that he gets back on the practice squad. I wouldn't mind releasing Riley Reef, but I just have the four tackles on the interior. I have Andrews, Owenu, Strange. Jake Andrews and Moffy. So I'm only keeping nine offensive linemen for now. Um, 
that's about what they normally do. Do you have any issues with that or any differences? No, no, no issues, no differences. Same thing. Anderson, I don't know, you know, how you can, I, I don't know how, how they feel about him. It's obvious he's missed a, a big chunk of time here. I thought last week I'd heard some rumblings maybe that he was getting close and now, you know, still nothing. So, um, yeah, I think you have to keep McDermott in that regard. And if, like you said, if you bring Anderson back, McDermott's probably the one that goes. I, the one thing I would say, like, and again, it hasn't looked great, at least guys like Andrews, Moffey, um, and City So are getting a ton of reps, right? Like, yeah. if there's a silver lining to not being able to put out the guys that you want to have out there is that they have gotten a ton of plays. They got a ton of stuff on tape and it, and it, it can only help. I think if, if, and I think we believe it, these guys are NFL caliber players. It can only help, you know, maybe build some, some better depth here as you go along. Cause you're, you know, look, you'll probably need it considering some of the guys that you're, you're counting on when the season starts. Yeah. Uh, on defense, on the defensive line, like I kept 10 overall. So I have five each at the edge and tackle spots. On the edge, I have Judon Wise, Uche Jennings, and Keon White uh, cutting Ronnie Perkins. On the interior, I have Guy, Godchow, Barmore, Carl Davis, who's a little dinged up. And I'm keeping Ekawale. Like last one, I think I had him off, but he's always out there in sub. Now, does Keon White change that? You know, it could, but they usually don't like to leave themselves short, and I think Ekawale is pretty good. I think Carl Davis is probably their best two-gap. Oh, no, I know he's their best two-gapping defensive tackle. I don't think they can afford to lose those guys in terms of of depth. Do you um, have any any differences there? I have the exact same, and Ekawale to me is – I look at it this way. He's definitely one of your best 53. Uh, It might be excessive to have an extra one there. You're talking 10 defensive linemen. But maybe he's someone you hang on to, and then he becomes a chip. You say, hey, we're a little hurt in that whatever corner. We need a third corner, fourth corner, whatever it may be. You need a defensive tackle, defensive lineman. Let's do something. Uh, but, I, yeah, I can't I can't in good conscience leave him off because I, then I'm, I definitely am leaving off one of my best 53. I, I can't, you know, not, he's not great, but he's, he's good enough. He shows up for sure. So at linebacker, I had a little bit of a change. I had Mac Wilson on my last one. Um, you know, basically I'm making a change here sort of with um, – I'm putting Calvin Munson on the list uh, on my team. I have, him, I, li- I have him listed under special teams right now. Um, he gets a ton of run in practice. He's on like every special teams. And maybe he's just holding a spot for Cody Davis who's on PUP. But I think that Munson's on this team. Chris Board is obviously on this team. And, you know, while Mac Wilson has gotten a, a ton of playing time, I do think against the Packers, that was sort of like his last uh, opportunity to state his case to be on this roster. And I don't think he was good enough in that game. He didn't. He got, he got an opportunity to say, all right, so Jawan Bentley's like, quote unquote, hurt for this game. You're making a spot start for him. Let's see what you you can do. And I think he he didn't outright fail, but I don't think he was very good. So I'm going with just Bentley, Tavai, and Board with Munson on special teams. So ba- basically, you have four. Um, what are you doing at linebacker? So I, I had four this time. I didn't have Mac on my first one, Mac Wilson on my first one. I put him on my second one, but I did so <laughs> reluctantly because I just look at that position and the lack of depth. And you can say, look, we can move safeties in there, and but like in a I'd want a real linebacker in there and to your point in case there is an injury and someone has to make a spot start. I just think that Mac just didn't, he didn't look very good against green Bay. And I'm kind of with you on the sense that maybe that was the, all right, you know, we're not going to play Juwan because we don't need to play Juwan. We'll give him a little veteran day off and we'll let Mac run out there with Tavai and see what they can do. And I just, Mac wasn't very good. So uh, he might've, that might've nailed the door shut on him. Um, for making the roster and your point about Munson, he is, he's on all four. I'm, I'm guessing at this point, and we'll get, I mean, we'll get to, but Cody Davis, I'm guessing he's going to start the year on pup. So mm-hmm. yeah, then he's your guy for, for whatever, six weeks. And, and then you decide whether you can bring Davis back and whether he's, he's capable of going or you just stay with Munson. So a cornerback and safety. Um, and again, I screwed up and realized I had one more person. So 
you know, as of right now, I have Gonzalez, Jones, uh, Jonathan Jones, Jack Jones, Marcus Jones, and Miles Bryant at quote unquote cornerback. Uh, I'm cutting Bolden, Wade, Mosley, Speed, and Randall. Uh, Isaiah Bolden is the guy. I, I mean, we don't know what his concussion thing is. Um, you know how serious it is. Um, and he was sort of my last cut when I realized I had 54. So I reserved the right in my column to revise this. Um, and I have to think about whether I can get away with five cornerbacks or not. And at safety, I have Phillips, Duggar, Peppers, Mills, Mapu cutting Bledsoe and Hawkins. Uh, I think Bledsoe has a chance to get claimed. Um, you know, not a bad player, but he, he, he got a lot of run early on in camp, not seen as much since then. Um, how many did you keep at cornerback? I kept six, so I kept Bolden was the six. I like Bolden's upside. I like the length there. Yeah. It wasn't – you're right. It was not a great game against Green Bay, but I'm just sort of basing it on the full body of work. I felt pretty good about him. Uh, there's some special teams value there as well. So, for me, he's just kind of a unique body type. It's a big, long corner with he, – he runs well. Like, you know, corner is like a position I feel like with offensive line. Like, if you put a – a guy on offensive line, like he could be someone that maybe gets claimed just based on his sort of pedigree and, and some of the stuff he put on tape in, against Houston. So I keep him. Um, I have the same safety group as you did. Bledsoe just hasn't done enough. Uh, again, Bledsoe would probably be the guy based on, especially how last year started where like, Ooh, maybe he's the Devin. He's the Devin replacement when Devin decides to step away. And then he never claimed it last year and certainly uh, hasn't done enough to claim it this year. So uh, I have no, I have no beef and yeah, you're right. He probably, he probably does end up getting claimed, but so be it. He's had enough opportunity here to try to, to try to make that position his own or carve out a role. And he just hasn't been able to do it. Special teams. I have the two rookies, uh, Cardona at long snapper, Slater, Munson and Schooler. Um, I would not be surprised if uh, both Folk and Waitman are on the practice squad, if not on the 53-man roster. I just want I just want Bill to go full heel and like keep four kickers and just you know turn into that special teams <laughs> thing. Go out in a blaze of glory. I would laugh my ass off if he did that. That would be awesome. Uh, do I think he's going to do that? No. Um, but uh, any. Any issues with you there? No, I, so I've had Davis on the roster, even though he's been on the pup, because I just expected him to come off at some point, uh, yep. but it hasn't happened. So that would, again, that probably gives me the wiggle room to be able to keep Bolden and, as you said, put Munson on the roster. Um, Folk's an interesting one to me because there are three or four teams that have had kicking issues here in camp. Yep. Dallas being one of them. And I wonder if, I mean, he still wants to kick. And if you go to Dallas, you're kicking inside for eight games. Um, mm -hmm. If maybe Dallas would put a put a call to him and say, hey, you know, we got a job for you. Come down here and do it. Um, I mean, they'll run into the same problem that everybody else did or that the Patriots did, which is outdoor games. When it gets cold, he just doesn't have the leg anymore. But if you're considering eight games in, in a controlled environment, um, you could do a lot worse than Nick Folk. So I, I'm, I'm curious about Folk because I think they – I'm with you. I think they probably would like to keep both, you know, around because I just think the Ryland's been inconsistent and you, you got to give him a chance early, but you also have a slim margin for error here. So I don't know how long the leash that Ryland would have. And knowing you have someone like Folk who is you know, automatic from 45 and in you now it's a, it's, it's definitely going to be, I think something they're going to, they're going to kick around quite a bit when, uh, when they have to make that decision. Yeah, I, I think Bill, like, they, I think they could probably trade Folk for something um, yeah. to, to one of these teams. But, you know, I think Bill might hyperventilate, like, thinking of losing, like, the safety of Nick Folk because pretty much 45 yards and in, he's, he's money. And Ryland, you just don't know. You don't know how Ryland's going to kick in, in, in weather in New England and things like that. But Frank, uh, the wind was think, blowing, the wind, two days ago, the wind was blowing like five miles an hour. And he was, as you mentioned, you know, the Scott Sisson, uh, Rohrwasser, that third kick was about 25 yards wide left. I mean, it was, and we're not talking a 55-yard kick. So, yeah, like, 
there's only so many ways you can put pressure on kickers in, in, in camp and preseason, but that was not a good, that left a mark, <laughs> a little yeah. scarred from seeing that. And if I'm scarred from seeing that, I wonder, I wonder how Bill and Joe and, and Cam Accord feel about it as well. All right. I think that'll just about do it, Mike. I appreciate it. A little bit of a mega podcast here with a lot of sort of, we caught up uh, two weeks worth in here. So I appreciate uh, your time. Make sure, Hey, you guys come out, check us out over at BSJ 50 bucks for the year. That's it. You get me and Mike dueling banjos on the Patriots all year breaking down. You know, we do a lot of coaches film during the season after these preseason games uh, that will continue on into the regular season and we'll shoot you straight on your team and make sure you also check out uh FanDuel and uh AG1 and I love that stuff uh, I drink it every day every morning and I love it so uh Mike appreciate you and uh we'll talk to you guys soon <laughs>